Father in heaven, we thank you for this Sabbath that's been filled with many amazing and wonderful things. And Lord, I pray now as we turn our focus to opportunities and responsibilities, that you will speak to us, that we will be the people you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start today in the book of Deuteronomy, specifically Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. All right, so context. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel who have been in the wilderness for 40 years and are about to enter the land of Canaan. Moses won't be going with them. They'll be going in with Joshua. And Moses is speaking to them and saying, opportunity lies in front of you. But to truly experience the fullness of it. There's also responsibility. Opportunity always comes with responsibility. And he says, be careful. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your sons and your grandsons. So responsibility isn't single generational. Responsibility after accepting opportunity is multi-generational. All the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. If we just embrace opportunity without embracing responsibility, then our days are not prolonged. The opportunity passes us by. Verse 3, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. So God said, I'm going to give you this land, but you need to be faithful in it. If you'll be faithful in it, you will prosper. If not, there'll be problems. Opportunity and responsibility. The opportunity was life in Canaan. The responsibility was to do all the things the Lord had commanded. I want to go to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 18. Again, it's talking about the same thing. So you shall observe my statutes and keep my judgments and perform them and you will dwell in the land in safety. God was giving the land, but they had to be responsible when they got there. So I want to talk today about opportunity and responsibility. And I want to talk about those two words in the context of our community, of this church, of the Forest Lake Church. And let me just give you my personal assessment of how we as a community are doing in the area of opportunity and in the area of responsibility. 
Let's start with opportunity. In the area of opportunity, I would say that we have been great over the last 10 years at embracing and seizing the opportunities that God is giving us. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but uh, there's, a, there's a copper ring that runs around the platform and it runs along the insides of the aisles there and it goes all around. That's called a T-coil. And what that is, is if you're a person who's hard of hearing and you come into this sanctuary, it can be hard to hear with your hearing devices the ambient sound in the room. What a T-coil will do is directly pick up a signal and play right straight into your ear the words I'm saying without you having to be muddled with the ambient sound. This was an opportunity that came available to us and a lot of folks stepped up to make sure we got this done and now we have that in this place. That's an example of an opportunity we took advantage of. There was another opportunity and that was the simple reality. We were streaming our services, we were recording, but our equipment was old. It was old analog equipment, but everything was going to high definition. So the opportunity was there to step up to the next level. And so several years ago, uh, under Pastor Patty's leadership, we made the investment in getting new HD video equipment. We have it. It's wonderful. We completely changed out everything in the AV room over here. We seized that opportunity. We've changed the carpet multiple times. We seize that opportunity every time it comes up. We've had the opportunity to change out all of our air conditioners in about the last five years, and thank the Lord we seize that opportunity because new air conditioners are, are not in the budget each year. But we've taken care of that. This is one of the only days of the year we wouldn't have needed them. But that just is a, is a taste of some of the things we've done and doesn't even approach the opportunities we seized in the new lobby and the new children's wing that we built. The reality of all the children that were participating in the life of this church. And we said, this is an opportunity. And so we built that new space for that. We seized that opportunity. And we're standing on the brink of another rather remarkable opportunity. You see, there's a warehouse on the campus of Forest Lake Academy that the academy has said, we want to partner with you in that space. We want to let you use that for, for a nominal fee on a yearly basis if you can fix it up and get it into a nice multi-purpose space. And we're in the process of, of attempting to seize that opportunity as well. And even though it's not done yet, we have a number of folks that have come forward and have indicated a willingness to make contributions towards what ultimately will be a fairly pricey process of getting that done, yet we're seizing another opportunity. And, and one of the key reasons is because Pastor Juan has initiated a ministry called Upper Room Ministry that's meeting once a month that is designed for young adults. That last Sabbath tried to cram 350 people into the Upper Youth Center. And if you've ever been in the Upper Youth Center with 200, you know that 350 is way too many. So the opportunity is there. And we've been seizing these opportunities very well. I think we've been great, in fact, at seizing opportunities. But here's the thing. It's opportunity and responsibility. And while my assessment is we've been great at seizing opportunity, we haven't been so great on the responsibility side. 
You see, here's the thing about responsibilities. They're not quite so exciting, are they? They're never quite so glamorous. Um, You don't take care of responsibilities when you're in the mood. And you have to be systematic about them. Uh, Let me give you examples from your life. To have children is an opportunity. Once they're born, it's a responsibility. Okay? How often did you wake up in the morning in the mood for making breakfast? How many days did you get to not feed your children? See, opportunity, responsibility. You see the difference, right? Um, How many of you get to arrive at work when you're in the mood? We know how to do this, right? It's responsibility. You show up. People are counting on you. I'm not really feeling taxes this year, so I don't think I'll pay. How's that going to go? No, that's responsibility. I want to be fit. I just hate to exercise all the time. Fitness is an opportunity. Responsibly going to the gym is how it happens. Which, by the way, I will share with you. My son Gable decided I needed to be fit. I don't know why he would think that, but he thought it. And so he and I got a gym membership this year. And we completed our fifth week. We've been 20 times. I wouldn't call myself a new man, but it is helping. I want to encourage you. That's important. So responsibility. God has given us in this church amazing opportunities, but every time we embrace a new opportunity, the follow-through is called responsibility. We can't just keep embracing the new and exciting and not double down on our focus on our responsibilities. So in the light of that, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about last year in the life of this church in terms of our giving to church budget. And then I want to show you some very interesting information as well related to the demographics of our community and related to our tendencies in giving. But I want to start with a very simple slide, and this is going to show you the the money that was given last year to church budget. So slide number one, church budget giving. Now you can't necessarily see that, but I will explain it to you. We got last year and given to the church budget roughly $1.1 million. So that sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty impressive. Until you put to it this next slide. And this next slide shows you what our actual budget was. So we budgeted 1.29, roughly 1.3 million to be given last year. And what we received was 1.1. So we didn't quite hit that number. Well, why in the world did we budget that number? Well, let me take you to the next slide. This is the church budget giving from the year 2011 to the year 2019. Now, what you would have to say about that slide is essentially it's kind of a straight line. Okay? Through that whole span, you just kind of draw a straight line. But here's here's the problem with that. Even if we hadn't done anything new, even if we hadn't seized any new opportunities, just a simple fact of inflation would say, yeah, we kind of need to increase that year by year. But worse than that, we've taken on some new responsibilities since 2011. Just in and of itself, 
just the, the new utilities expenses for our new spaces. And we've got to have a few more people working in those spaces to get them ready to use. So just that alone, insurance on our new spaces. You see, we've been, while we've been embracing opportunities, we've been increasing our responsibility. Therefore, we can't just stay in a straight line. If we're really going to occupy these spaces and we're looking to occupy another one, then, then we've got to increase this. This has got to go the other way. Now, this is not the only money's given. I'll show you the next slide here. This slide shows tithe, budget, and new building. So these were the monies given last year to tithe, 4.46 million, church budget, 1.1 million, and the new building fund, 704,000. So if you add that up, that's closing in on $6.3 million given in this church last year. That's really good. In fact, that ranks up there with the highest total given really in, in the history of the church. Of course, there's different money changes year by year, so that's a hard number to get your arms around. But, but it's significant, and in fact, the last three years overall have been very significant. But I want to share something with you about this graphic. When you look at this graphic, you see that in this church, we give church budget at roughly 25% of the rate we give tithe. Okay, interesting. Why is that relevant? Well, I'll tell you why that's relevant. I've never actually pastored a church that didn't give church budget at at least 50% of tithe. And in fact, of all the other analog churches in our area, in Markham Woods, Spring Meadows, the other ones, they all are very near 50% of tithe in their church budget giving. If we were at 50% in ours, we'd be receiving $2.2 million a year in local church budget giving. We would double what we currently have. That's just if we were typical. Now, of course, we're not typical. But if we're not going to be typical, let's be not typical in a really good way, not, a, not one of these. All right, so, so let me tell you a little story about last year. So last year we were rolling along with all the different projects we were doing and all the different opportunities that came along through the course of the year. And, and about midway through the year, as we were about to finish up our building project, we realized that some of the expenses were a little higher than we had anticipated. And because of that, we cut from the building fund budget new furniture for the children's wing. But when we communicated that, we decided we didn't like that idea. So we did something we called Christmas in July last year, and we raised over $100,000 to buy completely new things to go into the children's wing. We seized an opportunity. But as we were rolling along through the course of the year, we, we started off the year pretty good, and, and then we dipped a little bit, but then we were actually running ahead of expenses. The monies we had received was running ahead of where we anticipated our expenses to be. So I want you to see this next slide here. This is a, a chart of our budget balance compared to where we felt like we needed to be as the year went on. So January's pretty good. We dropped down in February and April. We were a little below the line. May, we started to come back. June, we got back to the break-even point. 
July, August, September, by October, we were anticipating finishing the year $40,000 ahead of our projections. It was looking good. We thought we were doing really well. But uh, you're looking at that chart, right? It kind of falls off a little bit. You notice that part at the end? Well, what in the world happened? Well, December happened, or rather December didn't happen, maybe is a better way to say it. Let's go to the next slide. We anticipated receiving 264000 in church budget in December. We only got 169. I don't know how your budget works at home, but when you only get about uh, three-fifths of what you were looking for in your paycheck, does it put a little dent in your plan? And here's what's tricky about it. The way our church year goes, it ends in December. Well, why in the world would we anticipate so much giving in December? Well, I'll show you the next slide here. December is the month where over 20% of the total giving comes in. Everybody likes to give in December. It's the end of the tax year. And people who give in that model will give in the month of December. And so over 20% comes in. Now, you would say, why in the world would we budget 264000 when we only got one sixty-nine? Well, I'll tell you why. That 264000 is actually $5,000 less than this congregation gave the year before. We actually budgeted less than last year for the month of December. And not only is that relevant to last year, this next slide is very interesting. This is the last four years. 2016, 284000 in December. 2017, 240000 in December. 2018, 269,000 in December. 2019, 169. We fell off the cliff, but we had no idea the cliff was there. Because you go back to years before this in December, and they all look like the three years previous, not this year. So what was the net result of all of this? After anticipating we were going to finish this year ahead, we ended up finishing this year when you counted everything given versus all the expenses, $70,000 behind. Here's what's significant about that. If we had come in in December in the 2017 level, that would have been break even. If we'd have come in in the 2018 level, we'd have been $30,000 ahead. We didn't see this. We didn't expect this. And now it's put us in a little bit of a bind. Now the good news is we have reserves. And so we reser used reserves to cover that. But we really have to take a serious look and ask ourselves some serious questions. If we're going to keep on embracing opportunities, we can't do this. We can't let this fall by the wayside. We raised more for the project of chairs and tables then we ended the year behind. But church budget giving just isn't all that glamorous, right? It's just not all that fun. Well, here's the thing. While this is a serious situation, and we really do need to address it, in my heart, I'm not that concerned about it. I would be concerned about it if, in fact, we were right at the edge of what we could do. But the data I'm about to show you will reveal to you we're not even close to the edge of what we can do. What do I mean? Well, let's go to this next slide. This one might be familiar to you. I showed you when we did the sermon on togetherness 
This is the generational distribution of the community. The first line represents the silent generation. That's those 74 and older. The second represents baby boomers. You know who you are, 55 to 73. The next is Generation X. None of us know who you are. We haven't paid attention to you for years. So that, that's the running joke, right? Yeah. All right. They go down to age 50. No, they go down to age. I don't know. I have the ages over there. Anyway, millennials are next. And they're the third largest group of our membership. So the highest is Gen X, then baby boomers, then millennials right behind them. Then the silent generation, but then you have Generation Z. But that's not really fair because they're 7 to 22. We haven't even baptized them all yet. So they're not, we got three of them today. And we one in each service. So there's three more of them after today. But they're young. They're still young. All right, so this is the distribution of the community. Now let me show you the next slide. This is how many dollars, as best we could calculate it in the, in the materials that we had, came to the church budget from the various generations. The first thing you notice in this graph is that uh, the silent generation is, is punching way above their weight class. Baby boomers are the highest. And then it goes from there. But I want you to see this in this pie graph. 25% of the church budget comes from people 74 and older. Remember there, that little tiny bar at the beginning? Yet they're so committed to this community that to this day they contribute 25% of the monies that come to budget. And remember this, they're on fixed incomes. They're on fixed incomes. 40% comes from the baby boomers, which means essentially two-thirds of the monies that are received in the church budget come from people 55 and older. 25% comes from Generation X. Generation X is the largest single group, yet they only come in at 25%. Millennials come in at 9 Generation Z, I mean, they're hardly, they're 22, all right? It's amazing they made the thing at all, but they're there. Let me show you something else that's interesting. So you see that most of the dollars are coming from these other generations. This is the average given by each generation as best we could calculate it. Like I said, the silent generation, they're on a fixed budget. They can't give as much individually, but they make up for it because they participate. Okay? Numbers is what drives them up. Baby boomers, they're kind of in the prime of their earning potential. But actually, an average given by generation, they come in third. Gen X, sorry guys, I don't have a lot of good news for you today. This is the lowest average giving of any of the generational groups. Now, the millennials, you'll see in a minute, there aren't a whole lot of them that give. But the interesting point is the ones that do are really stepping up. And they've given at the second highest average per giver. And then you have Gen Z. And I don't know what in the world's going on with there, but apparently there's some 22-year-olds in this church that are all business. And they are really contributing. But let me show you this next one, and this is where it gets a little stark. Okay, that first line represents 
the estimate of numbers of members within each generation as, as Nancy was able to give it to me. That's the blue line. The red line represents the number of people from that generation group who give. So you can see the silent generation, 261, and there's 141 gifts that come from that group. But now let me tell you something about this. The participation of the silent generation is probably better than that even implies because here's the deal. If a husband and wife give together and they don't both show up as an independent name, you have two that count as members, but only one that counts as a gift. So that probably happens more with the silent generation, with the older members, than it does with the younger ones. So their data is probably even better than that. But you see the baby boomers, there's uh, about 200 givers out of 700. You look at Generation X, there's about 140 out of 885. You look at the millennials, there's 38 out of 656. And Gen Z, somehow there's 10 out of 138. A lot of them are still in elementary school. Do you see why I'm optimistic that there's plenty of room for us here? We're not even scratching the surface of our capacity. Now, this is not saying that people aren't giving to other things. This is simply addressing that area of giving that we would call responsibility giving. The fact that as a part of the community, I give to the church budget. Let me show you this other graph. This, this is pretty extreme as well. So if you divide the number of members by the giving units, basically for every 1.9 of the silent generation, there's, there's a giving unit. But it takes 3.6 baby boomers to produce a giving unit. It takes 6.4 Generation Xers to produce a church budget giving unit. And it takes 17.3 millennials to produce one. Do you see a little drop off there with age? Here's the thing about that. Some of this data, okay, maybe with millennials, one of the things we could say with that is, well, part of the reason is a lot of them aren't even here. They got baptized as kids, they're on our books, they're that age, but they're really not participating. And that's why we're investing in this warehouse project, to get them engaged. And Pastor Juan's been doing a great job at challenging them that if we get down this road, we are responsible for this space. And they're starting to understand that. But here's another interesting point. The more involved someone is, the more likely they are to make contributions here. And again, this isn't to say you haven't given to special projects. You may have given to the building fund. You may have given to any number of these other things that came along. And I want to laud you for that and thank you for that. But what I also want to tell you is we've got to quit embracing opportunities if we can't fulfill our responsibilities. So it's no more glamorous for me to give to church budget than it is for you. So let me tell you how I do it. I go on the website of my bank. And I know when my paycheck comes. You pretty sure you know when yours comes? I go on the website of my bank, I know when my paycheck comes, and I put in there set up monthly payments to go to tithe and church budget that get mailed to this church every month. I never think about it. I never have to budget it because it comes out before I even think about it. That's how you handle responsibilities. 
You set them up in a way so that you don't think about it every time. Because if you think about it every time, you'll be like, well, I'll do it next month, or I'll do it next week, or I'll do it next time, and you never, and you never, and you never. You just got to fix it and forget about it. That's how it works. If we were all giving, go back to that previous one there, Justin. If we were all giving at the same rate as the silent generation, roughly one gift for every 1.9 in the group, we would have 800 more people giving to the church budget on a yearly basis. You want to know how significant that number is? 800 is more than there are giving right now. Just by participating at the rate of our oldest members, we could more than double the monies we're receiving. This all goes along with our values. Worship, giving is an act of worship. Much of the giving that was done in the Old Testament was sacrifices brought to the temple. It was an act of worship. Now, not everything that was brought to the temple got burned up. Much of what got brought to the temple was what enabled the Levites to survive. That's how God set it up. Family. Every man, and I want you to hear this, every man and many women must recognize that providing for themselves and for others is a sacred duty. Okay? It is the task of a man and in this day also of many women, to grow up, work hard, and provide. You provide for your wife, you provide for your children, you provide for your family, you provide for your church. It's a sacred duty. It's not an option. It's what God has given us strength to do. Togetherness. You cannot be fully a part of the team if you don't show up for the game. Yeah, I'm on that team, but I don't ever go to the games. You're not really on that team. Service. Giving is absolutely service. It's service done from the abundance of what God has given you to contribute to ministry, to contribute to, to the needs of others. Testimony. Giving is a witness to God's faithfulness to you. Does your giving reflect the extent to which God has been faithful? I want to read you another text. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And let me just preface this by saying I would never be so bold as to say this. But Paul did, so I'm going to read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. What's he talking about? Paul is in the middle right now of talking about, see, they took up a collection from the churches throughout the region where he went. They took a collection, and Paul would take that money back to the brethren in Jerusalem. And he's talking about the collection that he's coming to receive from the Corinthians. And he's saying to them, here, let me give you this biblical principle. 
You give a little bit to God's purpose and you'll reap a little bit. You give a lot and you're going to reap a lot. Now, I would never be bold enough to say that. But I am bold enough to read it to you from Paul. Verse 7, So let each one give as he proposes in his heart, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he is dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So we didn't end good last year. And that was after we thought we were doing very well. As far as January, we're off to a start in January, roughly what we were anticipating. But here's what happens to us. And this is what happens in your budget too, right? You have to pay all your bills. And when you're done with that, what you have left over, you can make decisions about. Well, let me tell you how it goes here. We have to pay all the bills associated with this church, all the insurance, all the, all the electricity, all the people it takes to keep this place going. We got to pay all of that, and that doesn't change. And then with the money left over from that, we fund ministries. So out of that $1.1 million that was given, do you know how much each year we budget for ministries? Just a little over 100000 for every ministry area. That's youth, that's children, that's young adults, that's everything. Lives off of 10% of what's given. But do you want to know what's amazing? If we doubled what we gave in church budget, we would have a million dollars a year to spend on ministry. Because every dollar above this, we can do with whatever we want. Basically, if we doubled it and then we just took that extra money and used it to pay off the building, we'd pay off the building in just a few years without a fundraiser. That's the capacity we have. If we just got more people involved. So let's put it this way. We have a significant opportunity in the area of responsibility. Does that make it feel a little better? We have a significant opportunity in the area of responsibility. And our generosity is a testimony to God's goodness. Is your generosity reflecting how good God has been? God has set a new land of Canaan before us. We have so many opportunities right now. But let's not lose any of them by not being responsible for the things He's already given. I want to encourage you to pray about this and ask the Lord what He would have you do. Because together, together, 
This church is an unstoppable force. Let's seize these opportunities and be responsible. Let's pray. Father in heaven, truly you've set before us an open door, and you have equipped us in every way to be able to handle all of these opportunities. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will speak to our hearts, and that we will be generous both in seizing opportunities and in maintaining responsibilities. Lord, we'll look at these numbers again. Help us to make our generation really like the example that's being set for us by our oldest members. We want to grow up to be like Christ, but on our way, help us to grow up to be more like them as well. In Jesus' name, amen.